is Denise Braithwaite. She is the owner of Go Green Home Maintenance Service. I met Denise through some networking and we found we, we share a commitment to supporting families from different aspects, but still we value families. Denise, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Denise, tell us about your business and where you're based, what you do, and... Well, for 10 years, I ran a landscaping company um, known as Go Green Urban Landscaping Solutions. And this year, I decided to expand my services to include both inside and outside home maintenance service. So now we, we do home repairs, um, house cleaning, addition to taking care of the yards and all of that. And we specialize, we're located in Brooklyn, New York, and we specialize in what we call clearing jungles. We have a lot of properties here that have very overgrown backyards and front yards. And we go in and in a few hours, my team and I, we have it all cleaned out. So that, that's our specialty. <laughs> Now, that sounds to me like a valuable service for families. I, I know a lot of them are just, especially if they have a child with special needs, they're just struggling to keep their head above water. So this sounds like a real, a real significant boost. And we do have, we do have a lot of customers who, uh, to your point, have children on one end and parents on the other. So they, sometimes they hire me to take care of their parents' home. Uh-huh. Their parents are just too old to do it. So they, what we call the sandwich generation, they're exactly. still caring for children, but also aging parents. Exactly. And they, and they like that because, you know, I give them personal service. You know, and when I work for a family, I get to know the family. I ask them questions. How many kids do you have? How do you use your yard? Because that impacts what types of products and stuff I use. If I know you have young children and so forth. Um, so I really give that personal service and they like that. I can see why they would. This is more than just, you know, I've seen some uh, yard care where they just kind of come clean and they're gone and they may maybe never really interact with the family. I can mm -hmm. see the value of this. Absolutely. And they really value that. I have customers who give me their house keys. They'll just leave and they'll just say, just pull the door closed when you leave. <laughs> and now that's a level of trust. They, they, they get very comfortable with me. They like the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm a woman uh, running a, a traditionally male business. Yes. Trust me to take care of their elderly parents and, and, and their properties. Enjoy that. <laughs> I can see the advantages of being a woman in this traditionally male business because I, you know, you would be more sensitive, more aware, more in tune with family needs. And, and you have had personal experience with caring for parents. Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I, I, I moved back to my family's home where I grew up. Uh, and my mother passed away a couple of years ago and left the house to me and my brother. And my brother has, lives in New Jersey and has no interest in moving back. So I ended up having to refinance the house to buy him out. Uh -huh. um, 
which then caused me to have an, uh, a higher mortgage. Yeah. I'm committed to keeping the house. My mother and my grandmother purchased this house together in 1965. It's a two family, you know, mother, daughter, upstairs, downstairs type thing. Purchased it in 1965. And for two women from Caribbean, my family's from St. Thomas, the U.S. Virgin Islands, women to come at that time and purchase a house on their own and manage to hold on to it all these years, I just feel a burden to keep it going because it wasn't the family's home. It was always the place where everybody knew to come because that's where mommy was and days were held here and everything. They must have been amazing women, strong and committed to, to do that. As you said, in 1965. My mother and my grandmother, um, and I call it Caribbean women, but it's not just Caribbean women, but they were hard workers. And, you know, I got into landscaping. I mean, I have a master's degree in industrial labor relations, and I was a human resource manager for many years. Ask me, how did you leave that to go do what's considered menial labor, you know, cleaning up yards and people's houses? The way I was raised, there was no, there is no such thing as menial labor. You do what you have to do to take care of your family and take care of your needs. And no matter what type of work it was. So there's nothing beneath you. And that's the way I was raised. It's gone back to that now. And it's given me a passion for encouraging, especially women, to do what you need to do to take care of your family, whether it's best educational options available for your children, um, maintain, being an advocate for your family, for your home. Um, you do what you have to do this side of legal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, 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 I do. <laughs> I love those comments of you don't consider anything beneath you. You do what needs to be done to care for your family. I love that. And this was what you were taught. This is your family heritage. Yes. And by two amazing women. You're, so you grew up with your grandmother, your mother? Just my grandmother and my mother. My, um, my mother was not very patient with the whole marriage thing. So she got married in like 1960, had me in 61, and was done with marriage by 63. <laughs> so. Oh. That was not her, was not her thing. Uh -huh. um, so I was raised with her and my grandmother here in Brooklyn. Tell me, you know, your, you said you have a master's degree. I, was that something, it sounds like a sacrifice you had to make to pursue something you wanted. Well, there again, um, to my point of doing whatever you need to do, um, I got married at 20, at the age of 20. And it took me 13 years to complete my bachelor's degree. I worked a full-time job. I had two children, a husband and a house. Determined to get my education because I had started it before I was married. So yes. I go to school on evenings, weekends. When I could fit in a class, I would take a class. And then my husband at the time was also going to school. So what we would do would be whoever registered first would go Monday, Wednesday. 
And the other person would take Tuesday, Thursday, because that's the way classes were structured in City University. Yes. So we did that for a couple of years, and then he started complaining that when it was his night to stay with the kids, he couldn't get his homework done. So after hearing that for a while, I stopped going to let him finish his bachelor's degree. I said, okay, so I'll, I'll sacrifice. As soon as he graduated, I went right back to school. One, two classes. The most I would take would be three, but I usually only took two because I had a family to take care of. And going to school is not just sitting in the classroom. You got to have time to do the work. So I would do that. And like I said, I got an associate's degree in uh, health services. And I, I went on and got my bachelor's degree in behavioral psychology. I decided to go get a master's degree in human resources. And that turned out to be a good program. It was a three-year program uh, at City University at Baruch. And my kids went to school. They kind of got my degree with me. Sometimes I would have to take them to school with me at night because my husband was in the military, uh, the guard. So I was away quite a bit. And I would pick them up from school, take them with me to college at night, downtown in Manhattan, and we'd sit in the back of the lecture hall. I'd have one kid on one side and one on the other. I'd have all their snacks separated out for them. And they would just sit in the room, sit in the back of the lecture hall with me and do their homework. And when the class was finished, people would say, we didn't even know those kids were here. I said, we weren't supposed to know they were here. <laughs> and at that time, my daughter might have been five and my son might have been around eight, nine. Kind of got my master's degree with me. <laughs> wow, what a powerful example to them. Now, did they both go on and get college degrees? Yes, my son um, got a degree uh, in political science at um, uh, Hampton University, and he came out and uh, went into the police academy. And now he's a lieutenant in the New York Police Department daughter she got her PhD at 27 and now she's a doctorate of research in at Columbia University. Wow so you taught them not only this strong work ethic but also the value of education and love of learning. Yep and you make it happen you don't let excuses stop you you know it's it's a challenge it's not easy and I was like, for, for intensive, all intensive purposes, I was a single parent because my husband was away. Yes. But if you, if you stay focused on what you need to do, you can get it done. And, and I was fortunate. I worked at a college, so I had information, a lot of educational information. And that was another thing I did for my kids, which I, I strongly advise parents to do, is to be that advocate for their children. I lived in a school district that was not performing to my standards. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, I would pull up their reading and math scores for the year because they would publish them every year after standardized tests. And in my school district where I lived, 40% of the students reading at grade level or doing math at, at, at grade level. And to me, 40% is not a good number. No. Trying to educate a group. So I would go and pull up the districts that had, you know, 90%, 93%. That to me was satisfactory. And yes. fight with the Board of Ed because those were not in my district. I felt strongly that this is public education. I should have a right to send my children where I feel they will get the best education. So 
tried to explain to me that the school in my district was getting a new principal and they were going to be turning the whole school around. And I said, I only have one opportunity to educate my children. I don't have time for you guys to wait and turn the school around. I want them in this school, in this school district. And it did, it, and it helped that, you know, I'm, I'm a minority in that area. So I, I kind of feel like they needed more minorities in those better school districts. So that might have helped. They never told me that, but I kind of felt that. So I was able to get my, my children into a school district that provided them with a better foundation, prepared them better to go to college. You know, but my thought is if you hadn't, first of all, researched it and found, identified the school setting you felt was best for your children and then asked, advocated for them, it wouldn't have happened at all. No, they would have gone to the school that the city says, this is your zone school, pack them up and send them to school, around the corner from the house. And that's, that's what most parents tend to do. It is, yeah. Yeah, they follow whatever the mainstream. I mean, I remember when they came up with uh, what was considered the early charter schools, and they used to call them early education programs, and they were specialized niche schools. Yes. One in my area, and I told my husband, you get up there and you wait on that line at 6 a.m. in the morning. We are getting our son in this school. And he was like, what? I said, get up and go now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> and that's what it takes, that type of proactive, make it happen. I yeah. love it. You I cannot be very passive when it comes to raising your children because only you um, – at the level that you need their care to be. And, you know, I I hear people talk about children with special needs, and and I kind of like the term because, to me, all children have special needs. Yes. Our responsibility to identify what those needs are and and fight to get them the help that they need. And I don't even say it's not even help. It's just the resources that they need. Yes. I don't like to label children because I went through that with my son in school, and they tried to label him and put him in special ed because he failed one set. He didn't do well on one standardized test. I had to go to the school and say, no, you will not put him in special ed because he didn't do well on one test. Are you kidding me? Feel good that day. Yeah. The kind of fighting that you have to, you have to stay on top of. Oh, it is. Yes, it is. And I think, you know, I, and even though schools are run by, People who mean well, they may be committed to education and to children, but they don't know your child. And like you said, one low test score, yeah, that, that doesn't, that's really not significant. Like you said, he just could have not been paying attention that day, not felt yeah. well. And if you're, if you're not on, t- on top of those little nuances of what goes on in the school, you, they just do whatever they want to do. To your point, they may be have they may have the best intentions, but they also have limited resources. Yes, and, and they're, you, yeah. yeah, they're coming from the standpoint of what's going to be best for the school. You know, how can we fit in with our program? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm a big believer in you know the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yes. 
if you have limited resources, I want to make sure that I get my share. Yes. If you're not careful, I'll take the share of the child whose parent is not paying attention to, if I can get that share of the resources as well. Because yes. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Miss Pac-Man. I'm like, hey, we have to do this. And you have, when they see you coming to the school, they need to stand up and take attention because they know that when you come in, you know what you're talking about. You're respected. You've done, you're respectful. You've yes. homework. And you are presenting your case as, as though you were a lawyer. Yes. A lot of parents are afraid of being labeled a problem parent or that parent. But as you said, you're not, you know, you're, you're being respectful. You're just stating facts, advocating for your child, which is every parent's responsibility, and making the system better. You know, they've produced to much more effective graduates due to your advocacy than they would have otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really rough. And, you know, I come from, you know, when I was in, in elementary school, I mean, we're talking about the 70s. I remember, and I was in what's considered, I lived in what's considered some worse, I wouldn't say worse, but not so good areas of Brooklyn. You know, the whole East New York, Brownsville, Bed-Stuy type uh, area if you're familiar with Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And I grew up when it was not that nice an area. Yeah. I can still recall having very dedicated teachers who really just worked with us and they, they came to the school and they, they realized the handicap that the students had just coming from the environments that they came from. Yes. Remember these teachers, I mean, they would stay after school They'd meet you on the weekend if you needed special help. I mean, I'm not that connected with schools anymore since my children are grown. Yeah. I don't know if that still exists. Do you still have teachers with that, that commitment? And, and I don't know if it exists. It's hard. It is. It is. I have met some. But, I, you know, I, I don't know how common they are. But, yes, that, that is what it takes. That's, that, that, so, I don't know, you know. You just have to stay on top of it. And then I know it's hard because you work and, and we are very focused on making money because we have to be. Granted, we do have to be. Yes. We, we like roofs over our head and food in our mouth, you know, that kind of thing. But also like to make sure that you are not putting your priorities in the wrong order. For example, I mean... Does your children have to have the latest and greatest pair of sneakers out there? Or will they benefit more from you working a little less hours and putting some more energy into their well-being and so forth? Oh, that is an excellent point. You're That's right. The, yeah. So you, 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 you got to do it. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's important. And it's also good for your children to see that mom and dad work hard for this money. And, and we're not, we're trying to be judicious in how we spend it. Yes. You can't have everything that everybody has. My children, yeah. I used to say, I'm here to provide your needs, not your wants. Uh, I, I, would, I would tell them that. And, and I tell the joke all the time. For example, when they wanted a pair of sneakers, like, my, you know, at that time, back in the 80s, Air Jordans were the popular thing. Yes, I remember. 
Yeah, they were going for like $150 a pair. And I'm, I don't even spend that much money for a pair of sneakers for myself. And I have a job. What makes you think I'm going to spend that kind of money for you? So <laughs> I give my kids pricing. I used to say a pair of sneakers, I'm only spending $50 on them. And that includes tax. A pants, I'm only spending $40 on. And that includes tax. And, I, and, and they knew what my parameters were. And yes. I, I would take them to the store, give me a seat. The $50 in my hand, let them pick whatever sneakers that, that, that they wanted, and it was two cents more than $50. You better have that two cents because I'm not paying it. Yeah, as a result of that, my kids always had jobs. From the age of 14, they had jobs, both of them, because yes. they wanted all that stuff. Mom wasn't buying it. So, <laughs> so they worked, both of them. And then and I said, okay, fine, buy what you want. You work for it. Yeah. And is they appreciated it so much more that's more. true they yeah were. when they my son bought his first pair of air jordans you should see that boy came home took the sneakers off wiped them down put them back in the box put on his old sneakers and went outside to play if <laughs> those sneakers he wouldn't have cared less <laughs> uh-huh. oh yeah oh yeah and it's all about the lessons you teach them it, the, the sneakers were inconsequential but the lesson that they learned that Money is hard to come by. You have, it, it, you have to trade time for money. Yes. It's an appreciation. And, and, that, and that's another lesson that I, I like kids to, to realize because then they appreciate all your efforts. Yes, they do. And, and I love that. I mean, just teaching them the difference between needs and wants. How many adults do you know that still haven't learned that? Exactly. And struggle because of it. That's it. And, and no one took the time to, to train them with that because we all have confines. We all have limitations placed on us, either by society or by ourselves. So you have to learn to live within those confines. Yes. You end up in credit card debt and all these kinds of things because they're living beyond their means. Yes. And that's very important, especially when you're a single parent or a parent with a family that has some challenges. You have, to be, you have to be mindful of those things and the lessons that go with that money. Oh, yes. The, you know, statistics show that you know, it's expensive raising a child, but raising a child with special needs can be three to four times as expensive with all of the additional costs. And so, yes, money must be carefully managed. And teaching them this work ethic to set those goals, just, you know, the, the priorities and zero in them and work for them. Be willing to work hard. Nothing is beneath them. Well, I know I have listeners in New York. I'm not sure if they're in Brooklyn. So give us, how do we get, how do they get a hold of you? They, love, uh, they want this personal service. How do they do that? They can send me an email at D as in dog, B as in boy, go green at gmail.com or they can call me or send me a text message and my number is 347-423-9149 and my webpage is in development right now since I you know changed the focus of the company so those are the two best ways to reach me right now all right well I'm going to put that 
email address and phone number on my the page with this podcast episode. And when you do have that website, let me know and I will add that. I love what you're doing. I truly have I truly do have a passion for empowering women. And and, and I say women, but I don't mean that I would not I, I don't want to see men empowered. But um, I have a passion for empowering women to kind of have it all, maybe yes. all at the same time, but have a plan down that list so that you can, in the end, achieve as much as you desire for yourself. You know, but at least you have a, a roadmap, and that's what we need. We we get so mired down with the daily struggles that we don't take the time to have long-term plans for ourselves, you know, step by step. Yes. And what ends up happening is the same day-to-day tasks that occupied your time year and the year before that and the year before that will occupy your time this year. And you weren't happy or it wasn't fulfilling when, when you were doing it two and three years ago it's not going to be fulfilling this year unless you take that time and say, let me figure out what I really want. And yes. do I need to get there? And what resources do I need? And that could be anything from losing weight to a better job or finding alternatives. What I prefer is even better than getting a better job, finding alternatives to making money outside of this traditional nine to five. Nine to five jobs are designed to keep you coming back to work. Yeah. It's yeah. not designed to help you get ahead. If you want to get ahead, you have to have other things going on. Yes. So even though when I was a human resource manager, I ran this landscaping company. I've been doing this for 10 years. Right. Ran the landscaping company on the weekends and in the evenings. Real estate investor. So I buy real estate properties primarily in Pennsylvania. And I have property managers who take care of them, so I don't have to really be hands-on taking care of it. And I just monitor the property managers. Right. So, you know, the, the properties are affordable. Forget New York City. You can't buy anything in New York City. Yeah. But as a single woman, I did the next best thing. I went to the next area where there were properties I could afford. I just started buying one, and then two, I buy multifamily buildings, you know, and I make sure that one apartment can always pay the rent. So I don't, they, they sustain themselves. And, you know, you try to make a profit with that. But that's just another way of, you know, having additional income. You got to have multiple streams coming in. And I'm a big advocate of that. Wonderful. I love to, every time I have a chance to talk to women, I'm always talking about that and, and, and about how we can partner. How can I help you? How can you help me? What can we do together? Yes. That's my focus. I love it. And I agree. I multiple streams and you have many interests, many talents. You know, I, I don't miss not working full time. It's a lot more work. It's true. You work harder for yourself than you do for anyone else. Yes. I'm sure you're putting in the hours. I have no doubt. Uh-huh. You, what is that? You trade in a 40-hour week for an 80-hour week. Yep. That's but, it. It's fulfilling, though, because you are doing what you want to do. Yes. Someone else is making you do whether you agree with it, like it, whether you feel like it's paying you enough money. If I don't feel that I'm making enough money, 
then that's my choice to say, you got to get it together. What else do you need to do to bring in the money? I, I can't go to my boss and say, I want to raise. Yeah. You know, and that's just very empowering to know, you know, pass or fail, win or lose in your hands. <laughs> it's yeah, you're in control. And from what you said earlier, you, you not only set goals for yourself, you set goals for the type of education you wanted for your children. Parents need to remember that that is their place, their role to set goals for the type of education they want for their children, and then work to make it happen. And another thing I would encourage parents to do is to spend time and energy in exposure. That's the biggest boon to a child's awareness. Expose them to different things. Travel is a great thing to do with your kids. Let them see other parts of the world. Let them see what, how the other half lives as much as possible. Or even if you don't have a lot of money. There are so many things. I know here in New York, there are so many places that you can take your children um, on a limited budget on a Saturday. Just, you know, that gets them out of the area, gets them to see new things and different people, and it awakens their thoughts about yes. what they do. If, they, if you don't know it exists, you can't aspire to it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the greatest thing to, to, to just take with your children and expose them to the world to yeah. the best of your financial ability. I remember my parents would invite people to dinner and we met some of the most interesting people and talked on some of the most varied topics that we would not have, you know, just something simple like that. And it, 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 it even sparks your interest, right? If you want yes. to know more about it, now you're aware that there's something like this out here. Let me go find out more about it. Yes. But that doesn't happen if all they do is come home and play video games and watch TV and you're working 50, 60 hours a week and your children are raising themselves. Yeah. Something's well, you, gotta give. <laughs> well, well, you were working and going to school and yet still spent, I spent well, you, you included your children and exactly, what you're doing. Yeah, it, it, it's true. And I was fortunate. I worked... Um, for City University and worked close to home and close to their school. Yes. And I stayed there for many years. I didn't make much money, but I stayed there for many years because it was a college environment and the schedules were conducive to schools. Yes. So I was able to maybe be off when they were off. But sometimes I could pick them up from school after school. I would take my lunch late, like 2.30, them up from school either drop them off at after school or sometimes they came back to work with me. Yeah. Hung out in the, in, in the, in the faculty lounge. Yeah. Work and stuff. But that interaction, you know, you have some of the best conversations with your kids in the car. when You're driving from here to there. Yes. Conversations. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. And we talk about balancing and doing it all. And that's how you do it. That's it. So it you, takes, it's not it. It's not so much time as commitment. That's it. And, and, and knowing what comes first. I mean, we know we need to make money, as I said, but you only have a small window of opportunity to raise your children and to make an impact on their lives. So you need to not waste that opportunity. Find every inch, every opportunity you can to spend time with them, to listen to them, 
And just be present, not just be there, be present. Yes. You have available. Mentally and emotionally present, yes. Yep. I agree. Oh. oh, Denise, thank you so much. You've just have it shared so much of your wisdom and experience. And for inviting me. This is new, a new experience for me. Yeah. It was nice. So thank you. <laughs> you are welcome.